0: Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Khan. The Gateless Barrier. Case 41. Bodhidharma's Mind-Pacifying. Bodhidharma sat facing the wall. Eka stood in the snow. He cut off his arm and presented it to Bodhidharma, crying, My mind has no peace. I beg you, Master, please pacify my mind. Bring your mind here, and I will pacify it for you, replied Bodhidharma. I have searched everywhere for my mind, and I cannot take hold of it, said Eka. There, now your mind is pacified, said Bodhidharma. Mumon's Comment That broken-toothed old foreigner came thousands of miles over the sea. This was raising waves where there was no wind. In his last years, he induced enlightenment in his disciple who, to make matters worse, was defective in the Six Roots. He was like Shah Sanro Gensha, who didn't even know four ideographs. Mumon's verse. Coming from the West, directly pointing, you entrusted the Dharma and trouble arose, the clamor of the monasteries is all because of you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How beautiful the snow is sitting here, and of course you have been walking through the Cohen Garden Zendo to see the white on the rock on the pebbles, the plants, the little roof. We're so fortunate, yes, to be in this amazing zendo, 52 years after it was formally opened. And with all of you, Masuke Matsubara Osho, who will give Teisho tomorrow some of you who are old-timers here, some of you who are here for the first time, some from Hohenji and Syracuse and North Carolina, maybe a few other places in the world. So today, we are commemorating Martin Luther King Jr. And in preparing this Te Show, I thought, how can I bring Martin Luther King together with our ancestral teachers? And what case shall I use? And it struck me. Perhaps Eka would be a companion in arm. (laughs) So Bodhidharma, as many of you know, was born into a royal family in India, and he became a student of the 27th ancestor of our lineage in India, Prajnatara. Hanyatara, in our chanting in Japanese. And he stayed with him for 40 years and received Dharma transmission from him and became the 28th ancestor. When Hanyatara was dying, he told Bodhidharma that he must go to China. And... At that point, Bodhidharma was quite old, they say maybe 120 or even 150. The year was around 520. To go from India to China was a three-year journey, very dangerous. Many people had drowned trying to do this. Many storms arose. And it's so really incredible to think about the determination this elderly, wonderful teacher, Bodhidharma, had to make that journey. Why? Why did he do it? Well, on one level, of course, his teacher had asked him to do it. But what about on a deeper level? Well, we could say he went to China. He came from the West because he had to. Because of his vow. Because he was a vessel of Dharma. He had no choice his great faith, born of his deep awakening, his insight into human heart and mind, into the fundamental reality that we come here to deeply become acquainted with went far beyond scholarly Buddhism, the kind of studious investigation of his era, sutra study, scriptures, commentaries. He had something more radical to offer. What was that? Anybody? Words attributed to Bodhidharma. Hmm? This is This very mine is Buddha. A little later, Basol said. And later still he said, Not mine, not Buddha. <laughs> but Bodhidharma is associated with. A special transmission outside the sutras. No dependence on words and phrases. Directly pointing to the human heart, mind. Seeing into one's true nature becoming Buddha. So this is what he brought. This radical teaching is what he came from the West to offer. Now, around 1400 years later, On January 15th, 1929, Martin Luther King, Jr. was born into three generations of Baptist preachers, and it was expected that he would follow suit. But if in the beginning... King's faith was something inherited, expected, a professional family business, it became something very different and a lot more challenging. As you all know, he was inspired by the nonviolent strategies of Gandhi in India and Bayard Rustman here in America. And he became a leader of the civil rights movement in the mid-50s, the mid-1950s, mobilizing the black community in Montgomery, Alabama, for boycott of the city's Segregated bus lines. One night, after phone calls from men who threatened to blow out his brains and blow up his house, he had an awakening, a deep experience of. God's presence. And from, now, from that point on, he lived that direct experience, that direct pointing to the human heart-mind, one with God's love. No longer was there any dependence on some secondhand gospel. No longer any reference to complacency of faith in words and phrases. He said, I had to know God for myself. I could hear an inner voice saying, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. So the Montgomery bus boycott Continued for over a year and was successful. For a King, faith required that he be quote a troublemaker for Jesus, working to end racism, end the war in Vietnam and economic injustice. His radical task was, quoting the Hebrew prophet Amos, to make justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. In a sermon, at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church a year after the Montgomery boycott, he spoke of the moral responsibility to, quote, discover the meaning of love your enemies, beginning with a look into the self. That's what we're doing here. Dogen Zenji's famous lines, To study the way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be enlightened by the 10,000 things, by everything just as it is. Every day we chant, however innumerable all beings are, I vow to save them all. How do we save all beings? There's a wonderful section in Larry Shaneberg Sogan's book where he quotes Edo Roshi when it was one of your first times here, right? And so Edo Roshi said that this vow to save all beings must be taken literally. He said, Zen is not a halfway practice. From the Zen point of view, save means accept. You want to save ascension beings? Accept him as he is. You want to save yourself? Accept yourself as you are. Now, this is anything but passive. This is radical acceptance. And when we can do this, Something happens inside. We can tap into an original courage that allows us to take this wherever we go, to whomever we meet. And at the same time, to see what gets in the way of doing that, to see all the ways that blind us to this true self. And seeing, immediately vowing to drop those delusions, drop everything that appears to separate us and Accepting beings as they are allows us to engage with them intimately, with love, and to carry out this vow to free beings from suffering. So for Martin Luther King Jr., this look at the self, this radical acceptance, was love. He left Atlanta and he began sitting in, as we are doing, marching, those of you who are taking care of the sangha, running up and down the stairs, cooking, being officers. Every single one of you, in one way or another, is doing this active acceptance and love. Even if you are just sitting, what could be more beautiful a way to show how much you care about all beings than to sit. I don't want to sit. My leg hurts. Sit. How long is this going to go on? Sit. This is incredible. This is courage. This is giving it all. All beings. But many people did not understand and even deplored what King was doing. He was definitely shaking things up. And his tactics upset quite a few people in the church. So they decided to issue a statement, calling his nonviolent resistance unwise and untimely. Well, as some of you may have discovered, the best way to have time is to go to jail. (laughs) So in Birmingham, while serving a sentence for his unruly actions, he wrote a letter answering these clergy, and he said, I am in Birmingham because injustice is here. I am cognizant of the interrelatedness of all communities and states. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. What an amazing Buddhist king was one of those who inherited his vision is a woman named Jan Willis, who's one of the contemporary Dharma teachers of color. She called her book Dreaming Me, Black, Baptist, and Buddhist. And I've been in touch with her to bring her to have a special retreat. She's quite busy, as you can imagine, so maybe in 2021. Anyway, Bodhidharma sailed from India to China, and he met with Emperor Wu. As you know, Emperor Wu was busily constructing temples and commissioning sutra translation projects, and he was quite pleased with his spreading Buddhism in China and wanted to be complimented on his meritorious deeds. Remember? What merit have I gained? The meeting didn't go well. (laughs) Bodhidharma left. He went south to Shorin, Shaolin, temple in the kingdom of Wei, and sat facing the wall. For nine years. And one day, a monk named Eka came. He was brilliant. He had been seeking after truth from an early age. He discovered Zen after intensive studies in Theravada and Mahayana scriptures and began. Sitting, sitting, sitting. When he was 23, he was ordained. And while practicing at Dragon Gate Monastery on Fragrant Mountain, during deep samadhi, he had a vision. An apparition appeared and said, The great way is in the South, Alabama. He told his teacher, who said, you have seen and heard an auspicious omen. Go South. Study with Bodhidharma at Shaurin Temple. What King called the inescapable network of mutuality, a single garment of destiny, was taking shape. So Eka went to Shorin Temple and stood outside the door or the opening of the cave, and stood in the snow. And the snow got deeper. And he stood there pleading to be allowed to be Bodhidharma's disciple. With a troubled mind, even though he had been sitting for many years, still he found that his mind was not at peace. Has anyone had this experience? (laughs) Never, never, never. never. Immediately sat down. That was it, right? No problem (laughs) ever again. Well, Eka had. Still he was seeking, 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 searching for the truth, wanting so badly to find someone who could help his mind be at peace, this chaotic, wandering mind. And of course, as we all know, this is a very familiar feeling. And we have to probe and we have to question, what is the self? What is the mind? Out of more and more, Desperation, and this is really important, yearning for this true peace. Desperation, born of all the difficulties we experience inside, everything we see around us. To train the mind is essential. And that has to come from this desperation. Yes, we just chanted, sentient beings are fundamentally Buddha, but without experiencing this for ourselves, it's just a nice statement. Words and phrases. So we must realize this mind that the Diamond Sutra puts it. This mind that abides nowhere and testify to the truth that self-nature is no nature. So that it is not simply a matter of recitation, but what? Experiencing for ourselves. Ekka stood there, days passed, wasn't allowed to come in. The snow kept mounting higher and higher. (laughs) Pleading to be accepted, Bodhidharma said, The subtle and supreme teachings of the Buddhas can be pursued only by endless assiduity, doing what is hard to do and bearing what is hard to bear. Continuing this practice, even for kalpas, how can one of little virtue and much self-conceit Dream of achieving it. It will end only in fruitless labor, so go away. Imagine coming to session and hearing that. What would you say? Oh, good. (laughs) But Eka was in such a state of extremity. couldn't be discouraged he couldn't take the easy way out and say oh i'll go find somebody who's nicer where i don't have to stand around in the snow what did he do took out his knife cut his arm at the elbow and presented it to bodhidharma quite an image Blood in the snow. Blood on the bridge at Selma. Can we embrace this extremity? We tend to believe that there's an easier way. A way more congruent with our self-perceived limitations, perhaps. We want assurance. We want safety. We want guarantees. Well, if I cut off my arm, will I? I don't know what the end of that sentence would be. Our default mode tends to be searching for a way around the difficulties. Taking a nap. Getting cozy. Certainly not standing outside in the snow. But there is no getting around it. Those of you who have been sitting for a while know how wonderful it is that there's no getting around it. Hmm? Direct pointing. Remember, too, what Daito Kokoshi said in his admonitions. Unless you keep the untransmittable and subtle path of the Buddhas and ancestors in your heart, you may be confronted by the sudden chaos of the law of causation, and the true teaching will fall to the ground. How many of us have been confronted by the sudden chaos of the law of causation? Yuki puts up his hand. Choshu puts up his hand. All of us, right? All of us have been confronted that way. And we'll be again. We can count on it. Isn't that nice? You can't get around it. You can count on it. Therefore, we cannot afford even one moment of idleness in our practice, in our lives. I can't just hang out indolently. We must train thus, as the Buddha said to Ananda when he was dying. Live in the Dharma. Enter upon the path and walk on this way. March on this way. Sit on this way. Embrace the extremity of what it is to be in this human form, this rare, precious opportunity. Our Zen practice requires of us this willingness to take it on. Spiritual fortitude. As Huckween says again and again, a daring mind. Martin Luther King said, okay, whatever it takes, we will not be moved from this stand for justice. And some of you may remember the civil rights song, like a tree that's standing by the waterside. We can all sing this together. It's easy to follow along. Okay, We shall not, we shall not be moved. We shall not, we shall not be moved, just like a tree that's standing by the waterside. We shall not be moved on the road to freedom we shall not be moved on the road to freedom we shall not be moved as like a tree standing by the water side we shall not be moved Wonderful. Very helpful to remember when we are sitting long and getting tired. Right? When is the bell going to ring? We shall not, we shall not be moved. Don't we get a Kenyan anymore? We shall not, we shall not be moved. This is our practice. Whatever it takes. Right? Whatever it takes to live our Bodhisattva vow requires embracing extremity. I didn't come here to hear that. I came here to be reassured that I am a Buddha. OK, bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> you are a Buddha, therefore, therefore, you must. True practice. Eka cut off his arm. What is arm? Think about this. Everything we hold dear, right? Agency. I am going to do it my way. Control. What's the matter with all of you? Don't you see? I am the one who knows what to do. Everything that we've constructed about the self, about the self. Not meeting the self, but about. You know, what are we going to get out of this? What's going to lead to? Where are we going? We have to cut, cut all of it. And especially when we hear this. And fear rises up. This truly is what we need to see and cut. Not to be limited by our fears, but to act. So Eka presented this strange gift to Bodhidharma, crying, My mind has no peace. Please pacify my mind for me. Bodhidharma then said, Bring your mind here and I will pacify it for you. What does the Diamond Sutra say about mind? A lot. It's the study of mind in 32 chapters. Past mind cannot be grasped. Present mind cannot be grasped. Future mind cannot be grasped. Bring it here. When you look for your mind, what do you see? Is there anything there to be grasped, to be attained? I have looked, Eka said, and I cannot find my mind. I have searched and I cannot take hold of it. Bodhidharma replied, there, I have pacified your mind. Now these were not words and phrases. Bodhidharma's mind, Eka's mind, became one. Eka realized this vast emptiness. No fixed form anywhere. How can it be taken hold of? (gasps) There's no there there. So I'm home free. And you may think, oh, okay, he got it. He was home free. That was that. What about you? What do you realize? When you have that, and then what? It's gone. It's gone. It isn't gone. You're gone. (laughs) Your freedom has been camouflaged by all of those old patterns, right? Immediately, oh, I got it. I am free, home free. Hmm, you think there's no causation? Enlightened person is free from causation.
1: 500 lifetimes
0: as a fox. Check that causation out. Caught again. And what then? You have one arm left. Each time, this is what we go through and it's perfectly fine and it's natural. And we are human beings doing this extraordinary practice of awakening to our Buddha nature. It is ing, awakening again and again, forgetting. Cutting, clearing, awakening. This means diligent practice. There is nothing but. And little by little, day after day, we do realize this. The 10,000 things are it. The blinders come off. The winter snowflakes fall each in its own appropriate place, all here. So Eka became one of Bodhidharma's four Dharma heirs. These four included one woman, a nun named Soji, but Eka Daiso Zenji, second ancestor of Zen. And King's power of extremity was earth-shaking. It was based in his utter faith as a tool for change. At the very root of love, he said, is the power of redemption, radical acceptance, standing up for justice and truth, sitting down, standing up, marching, being beaten, fire-hosed, bitten by dogs, and jailed. And it was that willingness to undertake this no matter what that Amden Rice said ended 200 years of racial terrorism. This willingness to take whatever the consequences and defying fear with fierce compassion, showing people how not to be afraid. This was... Perhaps his most important gift. He said in that letter from jail I have no despair about the future. I have no fear about the outcome of our struggle in Birmingham, even if our motives are at present misunderstood we will reach the goal of freedom in Birmingham and all over the nation because the goal of America is freedom. Abused and scorned as we may be, our destiny is tied up with America's destiny. Before the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, we were here before the pen of Jefferson etched the majestic words of the Declaration of Independence across the pages of history, we were here. For more than two centuries, our forebears labored in this country without wages. They made cotton king. They built the homes of their masters, while suffering gross injustice and shameful humiliation. And yet, out of a bottomless vitality, they continued to thrive and develop. If the inexpressible cruelties of slavery could not stop us, the opposition we now face will surely fail. We will win our freedom because the sacred heritage of our nation and the eternal will of God are embodied in our echoing demands. Now, we all know Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech given at the March on Washington in 1963 And those of us who were there will never forget. I was 20. It's now 2020. It's now time for us to have 2020 vision for our nation, for the world. How has Martin Luther's King dream Martin Luther King's dream been faring? would you say? Hmm? Remember that march was organized to advocate for economic justice. When he was assassinated on April 4th, 1968. In Memphis, Tennessee, why was he there? He was organizing the Poor People's Campaign. Very threatening to the powers that be. So, to conclude today, just as the teachings of Bodhidharma were passed down to Eka, Soisan, Doshin, Gunin, Eno, and all the succeeding ancestors in China, in Japan, in America. The teachings of Martin Luther King His dream, his willingness to do whatever was necessary for justice, these are now in our hands. We have a new Poor People's Campaign. A national call for moral revival. And some of us are involved in this revival. At the Zen Studies, Society, we now have an engaged Buddhist committee. And the Poor People's Campaign group will meet here Monday at 1.30 on Martin Luther King's day. And we have meetings going on in Syracuse and many other places throughout the country. So in the spirit of Martin Luther King, Jr., we can and must stand up and sing like a tree. Standing by the water side, we shall not be moved. This has been a Zen Studies Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org. Thank you for listening.